thank you for joining us today on our premiere episode of Sex and Life. It's a podcast about human sexuality and, and different uh, subcultures within. And today we have uh, a registered massage therapist named Venus. She's going to be talking to us about the uh, health benefits of massage. She's going to educate us a little bit on erotic couples massage and massaging the prostate. But who are you? Who am I? Well, everybody knows who I am. Uh, My name is Eli Jakeman. Uh, I'm a writer and a comedian. And I love sex, which is why I want to do this. Learn more about it. Learn more about uh, the subcultures and, and, you know, all those wonderful, neat things that go along with sex and sexuality and feeling good. How are you, Venus? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Good. Um, so, you're a registered massage therapist. Yes, I am. For those who aren't aware, there is a huge difference between being a masseuse and being a registered massage therapist, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of been the bane of my existence over the past 18 years in this <laughs> profession. So, you, you've been doing it for 18 years? Yes. Yes, I have. I started school in 1996. So what is the the difference? The difference is, is that a registered massage therapist is a highly educated person. We have 2,200 hours of accredited massage courses that are deemed, um, I guess, you know, a sort of standard of practice through the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario. So we have to present uh, 2,200 hours to the college once we finish school. We have to have a pretty good mark. We actually needed a 65 and 75 over to uh, get through that course. But uh, we need to present that to the college, and they allow us to uh, write their exams and do their oral practical exams. And once we pass those, they give us our designation. So, uh... A masseuse. I guess you want to know about that. Anyone can be a masseuse. You can put up a shingle today and call yourself a masseuse. So there's no other uh, licensing other than what you have to get through the city of being a body health worker. Because you you need to register or get your license every year, don't you? Yes, we renew our license every year. And uh, we actually have to, we have ID cards and we have um, uh, diplomas on our walls. So we have to show that we've graduated from accredited school of massage therapy. And we also, um, we are given the designation by the college. And once we cease being a massage therapist, they get all that back. We just have it on loan. <laughs> nice. So are there health benefits to uh, getting a regular massage? Absolutely. Um, I sort of work in the realm of the therapeutic end of massage, more the medical-based massage. So I work with people who have had chronic issues, sports injuries, health issues, uh, surgery, surgical scars, um, women who have had breast augmentation, helping with recirculating um, all the lymph nodes and getting everything working uh, well for their soft tissue. So massage in general increases circulation and helps the body purge um, that sort of buildup of lactic acid and in helps to infiltrate all the muscles with new, you know, oxygenated blood and all the good nutrients that we need to survive, you know, for energy exchange and 
all those good things. And your body's working hard during the massage. People think it's a very relaxing experience, but you actually end up, your body does a lot of work in that, in that time, even though you're not, you know, actively doing anything. It's kind of a cool process. Is there a, a limit, like an age limit? Do you, do you not, let's say massage anybody until they're 10 and you don't massage anybody after they're 70? Absolutely not. Uh, I actually have massaged a baby 10 minutes out of the womb. So um, that's as early as we can start. I also do pregnancy massage as well. So they're being massaged in utero, so to speak. Um, and the only limit that we have are any contraindications that the person may have, be it a, dis uh, a particular illness or something that we actually cannot work with, we will tell them that we are educated to know what we are able and not able to do. So and then we refer on. I have a question. How did you guys know the baby needed a massage? You just, I mean, it just came out of labor. What was, what was the tell that said, oh, this baby's looking kind of stressed out. We should probably relieve it. They knew he didn't stretch first. <laughs> Stretching is very important in any physical activity. <laughs> Um, well, birth is traumatic. Uh, I've, uh, I was a doula at that time as well, so a birth assistant. So, um, birth is obviously squeezing someone through a very small package and then coming out the other end and the whole shock to the system, bright lights, new world. And it's actually more of a calming thing and it's actually helping them to get that first bowel movement going. So that's a really important thing to do. But I'm sure you can't use the same massage that would you, you would use for, let's say, a football player mm -hmm. as you do on a baby. Absolutely not. No. How many different styles of massage are there? Oh, it's endless, almost. Um, I'm trained in Swedish massage. That was my uh, school training. I also have a bunch of courses I've taken um, subsequently outside of my schooling, which has been 16 years. So there's lots of things I've picked up along the way. But um, Lomi Lomi is a type of massage. There's Thai massage as well. Those are the more popular ones that we have in Canada. Um, we also have uh, acupressure. Um, that's a different kind of Japanese-based massage. And actually, we are trained in, with that as well. So I incorporate a lot of that into my own therapy as well. But then you take it, you know, from there, and then you can sort of break it down into, you know, do you do trigger point therapy? Do you do fascial therapy? Do you do muscle energy therapy? So it's just all of those things um, I personally have picked up along the way, but not every massage therapist has the same interest or is trained in the same same way. So that's kind of where... Is it possible, Venus, that if somebody isn't properly trained, can they do damage, kind of like uh, with someone who isn't properly trained in yoga, teaching someone? Absolutely, yes. Um, I'd be very cautious, um, even when I show my own clients the techniques. They've been coming to me for years, so I actually have, I, I can trust them to work on their own bodies at a certain point. But with anything, uh, you, you, I mean, there's very rare instances of blood clots or people who, have been contraindicated due to either medication or um, an injury that they've just recently had. So just be cautious of, um, like we have to be cautious. So uh, an uneducated public is, uh, is a little bit more dangerous just to sort of take things, you know, 
to full-on deep tissue work uh, without any knowledge. So you can actually do harm to the body, a permanent harm to the body, and to the soft tissue. It must feel good, though, being able to heal people. Because I, I'm sure over the course of, of time with a client, you see the improvement. You see it's almost it's very uh, instant gratification almost. Sometimes, sometimes they feel better after the next couple of days, depending on the work that we've done. But you know, once you send them out the door, that yes, I've actually helped them uh, feel a little bit better. They have more movement in a joint, or they have less pain. So that's yes, that makes me feel completely satisfied. You know, it's it's the reward I get at the end of at the end of the treatment. That that's you know that's my pleasure for them is to provide uh, pain relief essentially. Speaking of pleasure, because mm. pleasure is always a wonderful topic, you're teaching a, a seminar or a workshop uh, coming up? Yes, uh, I'm teaching um, a course called Pleasure of the Prostate, and it's going to be at Oasis Aqua Lounge on May 2nd, 2014. Um, this is uh, my first uh, public demonstration of my couple's uh, erotic massage. Um, so it's a, it's a lovely way, um, I find, for people to connect to their bodies and really for couples to connect with each other. It's a pretty powerful tool, touch. And there are so many ways to pleasurably touch someone else. In a lot of ways, people don't know. So I'm really happy about bringing that to people. Now, you weren't born with a prostate. No. So <laughs> no. In, in order to understand it better, did you get like a prostate uh, uh, transplant? <laughs> No, um, just borrow someone else's. Yeah, oh, everybody shares yes. a prostate donor after they died. No, <laughs> no, not even with the cadaver work that I did during school. No, no, um, no. They have a lot of stiffness in their muscles. Uh, cadavers, yes. a lot of work yes. to do there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, um, yeah. No pressure on that one. Um, actually, it's kind of a, sort of a curious thing. My my father has had prostate cancer twice, and. Um, I had sort of along the way learned that, you know, as well as breast massage for women with you know, breast cancer, like prostate massage is actually really beneficial in uh, maintaining prostate health. It's a good way to find, I mean, men know when they go to the doctor that there's, there's a digital exam that they have gotten just so the doctor can sort of see what the size of the prostate is. And it should be sort of certain sort of walnut size, very sort of smooth feeling, um, uh, bulb almost mm -hmm. on inside uh, when you just inside the anus. So having your partner keep an eye on this over the years is actually pretty beneficial because you can start to feel change in the tissue. You can feel the bulging of the tissue that shouldn't be there. So with prostate cancer and cancer on the rise in general, it's actually a wonderful way to maintain sort of the medical aspect of the prostate. But then there's the whole other side, is the pleasure. And ha not having a prostate, but having a G-spot, I can sort of almost compare the tissues and say that uh, a G-spot orgasm, for me, is extremely different than a regular uh, clitoral orgasm. So uh, for men, the pleasure tends to be expanded, especially throughout the pelvis, and actually heightens the pleasure of the orgasm sort of it's a different orgasm altogether some have said so but i've had a lot of willing people over the years who would uh, let me 
experiment on their prostates. So, <laughs> <laughs> kind gentlemen that they were, yes. Now, did you learn about prostate massage in massage school, or is it something you learned online, got a book about it? Um, well, we're sort of educated uh, in the massage world as, you know, certain areas that we don't really go. But, um, yes, we did learn about that. And I've taken uh, another course on visceral mobilization of women's and health's men's, women's and women's and men's health, sexual health issues. So it's sex in the pelvis, or working with the pelvis is basically having to release all the muscles so everything can work in balance to increase pleasure and increase health of the, uh, the tissue. And I've also done a lot of online work and, of course, books, 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 books. I love books. I've learned so much over the years through reading. So, Because you're constantly taking courses, aren't you? I usually am, yeah. Kind of, it's, I love learning and anything now, and this is sort of my realm of pleasure, so anything that expands my pleasure is what I'm diving into at the moment. Excellent. Pleasure is important. It is. It what is. was the last thing you learned? What was the last thing I learned? Hmm. About anything in particular? Yeah. Massage. About massage. Well, um, I think the last course I took was Indian head massage. So it's a half hour treatment, a very specific uh, category of you know, treatments. And it actually includes a lot of Ayurvedic techniques and osteopathic techniques. So You're going to need to explain those. <laughs> <laughs> um, sort of more of the Eastern tradition of, uh, of I guess, the school of thought of, of chi and chakras and sort of your body in alignment but it is while you're getting this massage you just want to sleep you're sitting up in a chair you feel like you want to sleep the time the massage is finished you're ready to go so somehow you get my father in for every <laughs> massage because he, he makes me want to go to sleep I, I, I love my dad but yeah it's So you, you had mentioned uh, couples massage or erotic yes. massage. How how does one define that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess one would define it as uh, two people connecting on uh, a very intimate level and a very pleasurable level. And I sort of would you know would think of that as a bonding experience, as I do with my partner. Uh, it's more of a bonding connection. Uh, touch is really important in our world, so that's how we stay connected. But it's you can have such pleasure in the smallest, most delicate of touch. Apparently, because you're talking about sticking fingers in my bum. <laughs> that's that's I mean, a delicate, more delicate subject. Than that, I mean, it's just you know the subtlety. Versus, you know, the full-on... I'm very delicate, okay? Okay. I'm a fucking flower. <laughs> That's... Uh, and uh, do you know when you're going to be giving these uh, workshops? Um, I'm hoping to do it monthly or um, 
in a rotation um, for uh, sex school, which is offered at Oasis Aqua Lounge, and that's just sort of my start. So we'll see where I go from there. Um, I do keep my two worlds separate of being a massage therapist and foraying into the realm of erotic massage. I can imagine you, you need to because you, uh, your clients may be a little more conservative. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and it's not in our standards of practice. Um, so, yes, we're allowed to go inside the mouth, but nowhere else in the, in the body. Really? Yes, as a registered massage therapist. There's a muscle in my sinus. I, you know, like if you yeah, stick your finger in my nose and massage, you might be not, No, nose. We're not allowed to go in the nose. No. It would have been very pleasurable. It, it would have. <laughs> for my nose fetish. Nasal erotica, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, now when, when you're doing couples massage, is there anything else that, that, uh, needs to come into play that you wouldn't normally use in a regular massage? Like, let's say, uh, scented oils or stuff like that. Like I've, I've gone into some shops and I've seen like massage powders, or whatever. Yeah. Talc, it would be like a talcum powder. So you'd get some sort of you wouldn't have any friction on the skin while you're rubbing someone so you could smoothly move your hand over someone's skin. Um, in my practice I use a hypoallergenic uh, massage lotion that has you know vitamin E, aloe, grapeseed oil in it and it uh, soaks in beautifully to the skin. It's not what I would use uh, for an erotic massage. You'd sort of want to sort of take that up a different level um, and any edible oil uh, olive oil, sesame oil, um, they're really good to use if you're just doing it, working at, you know, playing at home with the oils and you don't have to go out and buy anything per se. But if you do like the scents, there's some beautifully scented massage oils that I would really recommend getting from a health food store or somewhere similar um, so that it have a good reputation of being a quality oil. You don't want any rancid oils. They sort of have that awful smell. It really ruins the mood, <laughs> kills the mood instantly. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, edible oils are good, too. So, and then if you're talking about, you know, exploring the prostate, I recommend lube. You cannot get enough lube. And lube, short nails. Lube. And short nails, yes. Um, my preference is using a glove. It gives uh, less resistance as well. Oh, really? And, yeah. So, um, you know, for demonstration purposes, when I teach, I will be using a glove. Latex glove. Uh, actually, I do not use latex because I have a latex sensitivity, but there will be a, a medical glove that I will be using. So that and lube. It's, I think it's healthy for people to see people using uh, protection, whether it's it's a condom or rubber glove, especially when you're uh, demonstrating to other people. Yeah, it's safety. You're talking about uh, health and safety. And when you do use a glove, even if you have any tiny little cuts or something, because you are entering an area that has a high bacteria count. So protecting yourself is good. Protecting your partner from anything entering um, that flora as well is, is good as well. So, you know, you're kind of, it's a win-win situation, just as I always would use condoms when I'm, you know, out in the world playing. Uh, that's my thing. So I'm always taking care of being as safe as possible, and especially if someone has hemorrhoid issues or if they have any sensitivity um, with that area in general, it's good to be able to 
you know give them the most pleasurable and least resistance as possible so most pleasurable experience that's, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you don't want a bad bum massage no that's no. probably a very horrible experience no no so what attracted you to to becoming an rmt i mean it's a lot of money it's mm -hmm. a lot of schooling mm -hmm. um from hanging out with you i mean i've i've seen your medical charts I've seen your skeletons. <laughs> Which ones? The, the ones that aren't in the closet. <laughs> we'll talk about those ones specifically. Um, I mean, you're almost trained as much as a nurse, as far as physiology goes, no? Oh, actually, um, for soft tissue, for muscles, we know more than doctors. Uh, we're trained specifically in soft tissue. Um, we are the soft tissue specialists of the designated professions. So, yeah, tendons, ligaments, fascia, um, muscle tissue, all of that is our expert, our area of expertise. So, in a lot of ways, we know more than nurses, but nurses know a lot of things that we don't know. So, there's a, we actually had a lot of nurses in our program oh, really? that made the transition from being a nurse to being an RMT. So, that was kind of cool. Do you think there's ever the transition the other way around? Uh, no. No? Nurses usually tend to escape their profession, that's <laughs> what I've seen. So it's a lot of hard work. It I've, is a lot of I've hard spent work. a lot of time in the hospital. I know how hard these these people work. So it's a big job. Would you say with uh, studying this program, does it pretty much encompass everything that you need to know in order to actually get into the workplace? Or do they recommend other courses and other uh, studies in order to broaden your understanding of what you're doing? When they. Uh, when we're allowed into the world, once we have our designation in hand, uh, yes, we are trained. We have business courses. We have all those things that we take in our last year of schooling. So we are ready to go. And the only thing that's recommended from there is just that's where you have to build a practice. Like that's when we graduated, one of our, our valedictorian was one of our vice principals said, congratulations, you know, an itty bitty bit you know only this much and her fingers were like half an inch apart and I was just horrified because I figured I spent all this money and all this time learning and I know nothing but it's very true experience is what's going to give you that you know push plus it's really hard to get going in the beginning to build a practice it took two years mm -hmm. to sort of get to up to speed and that was a lot of hard work um, getting there but we actually have um, a program in to maintain our designation we have to actually keep up with uh, education outside of schooling. So post-secondary or um, like taking courses, but there's so many courses that we can take. So we have to maintain 30 continuing education credits in a three-year cycle, and we have to present that to the college every three years. So that's part of how we can maintain our registration. Is so. it because um, the, the knowledge base is constantly changing? Yes, yes. We're learning new things in the medical world all of the time, even the more benefits of massage. I mean, people are realizing that you can have huge benefit for uh, lymph drainage. You know, so people having surgery, especially women having mastectomies and having their lymph nodes removed in their uh, armpits, you know, they have lymphedema in their arms. Massage is actually can relieve that for hours, days, months at a time. So what's lymphedema? It's uh, we have a system of lymph nodes in our body. I, maybe most people have heard of them. But it's basically our body's sewer system. So it takes all the drainage, all the waste, puts it back into our system, filters it through the liver, 
and then puts it back into circulation as, you know, recirculated blood. So normally every spring, my lymph nodes and my jaw get swollen, I get sick. Mm -hmm. Can massage help that? Um, it could. If you're getting sick, it would actually bring on that uh, virus faster. So it would actually push it through your system faster. So if you're just it's a regular thing, yes, it can actually help. You can, I can actually teach you how to do it on yourself at some point if you ever are interested. But it's um, uh, good to, I guess, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's okay, let's go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, lymph drainage uh, would actually help keep everything clear and keep everything drained. So when did you decide that you wanted to do this? I mean, I, you don't see a lot of, you know, kids running around playing massage therapists. They're like doctor or cops and robbers. And... <laughs> um, I've always been very touchy-feely. Uh, that's kind of, I've been a hands-on person. I've always had a hands-on career. I was a veterinary assistant before I became a massage therapist. And I knew I was in looking for a career change. And I knew I wanted to get into something medical. And I was thinking about becoming a, mid a midwife. So I looked into those programs in 1994 and uh, applied and got turned down and applied the next year, got turned down again. And my roommate at the time felt just, she felt so bad for me. So she gave me a gift certificate for uh, a manicure, my very first manicure, and um, a massage, my very first massage up at the Bayview Village Spa, uh, Bayview and Shepherd. So um, off I trotted, my, my, you know, feeling sorry for myself, went, had a fabulous manicure, and then went in for my massage. And as soon as the massage therapist put her hands on me, bam, proverbial brick, that was it. This is what I'm going to, this is what I need to do. It just, it was, I, I knew. And after that, I started researching schools. I started looking at who had the best program, and I ended up, um, applying to Sutherland Chan, which is um, in our here lovely hometown here, Toronto, at uh, Spadina and DuPont. And it's a very reputable school. Absolutely. They are still rated uh, number one in our province. So Even as a, a non-registered massage therapist, I've heard Sutherland Chan. Yes. Uh, in fact, I think Eli is a registered non-therapist. Uh, yes. <laughs> he, went, he went to school to make sure that he wasn't... Eli's been registered yeah. for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> was was it a, a, an easy transition to get into? Uh, I was thirsty for knowledge, so yes. Um, I took two prerequisite courses before I could get into for my interview. So we had to take a physiology anatomy course and... I was eight weeks and an eight-week uh, massage course, hands-on, because you think you might want to do it. You know, massage sounds great. You know, I'm really keen. And then you get there, and you're like, oh, I can't touch this person. Oh, I can't touch, you know, it just, some people, we had a lot of dropouts the first semester, actually, which was very interesting. But, uh Have yeah. you ever had a client that you're just like, ooh, you're icky? No. No? I don't, I don't think of it that way. There, there's no... It, I'm objective, you know, completely objective when I look at, because this person is, a, you know, they're human, but they're a case. They have this, clinically, they have these things going on. Clinically, this is why I'm here. So I do not, I, you know, 
I see them as a whole, but I see the parts of where I'm working. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I think with a lot of people, they're very subconscious, self-conscious about themselves. Yes. And the idea of even disrobing slightly to have a massage done on them. Yes. They, they don't think that the benefits outweigh the, the part, the potential embarrassment. Because no one wants to, you know, lie down on a bed and have somebody go in and go, ooh, you're disgusting. I'm not going to no. work on you. There's never, and I've treated everybody, like every body size, you know, hairy, non-hairy. Like it's just, it, there's everybody, you know. So people with skin conditions, people, people have all these things. I mean, everybody's brave. I think everyone is brave who gets, who comes there, especially with a stranger for the very first treatment mm -hmm. to get undressed and get under those sheets. So, you know, there's a lot of comfort that you have to build um, with my clients. And a lot of clients will only come to me. You know, when I was off with an injury, I sent them to other therapists. And, you know, they've just been, nope, we'll wait for you. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's a comfort factor there, too. So, um, It's yeah. about being familiar. Yes. And you don't always have to disrobe for a massage. There are many techniques that you can use without disrobing. So... There's a lot of in-chair massage that people do in the workplace. Ten little, ten fifteen-minute little treats, you know, during the day, get them stimulated to go, get their brains going. Have Have you found that it's uh, changed your social life at all, <laughs> either for the good or for bad? Uh probably for bad, I would say. Um, it, uh, I guess, the work that I do and the length of time that I've been doing it takes a lot out of your system. So I usually find by the end of my work day, I'm ready to kind of curl up and, uh, you know, watch some TV or just relax and, you know, to take care of my body at that point. There's a lot of self-care involved in this career because it is a career that works your body hard. So, you know, I have to take care of myself. Speaking of, of working hard, you, uh, past couple of years, you, you've had a few surgeries, haven't you, if you ask? Yeah, three. What, what happened and, and how has it hindered your ability to help others or, or how has your knowledge helped you heal faster? Mm, those are two, two questions there. Um, I, uh, May in 2012, I uh, fell down 11 stairs, shattered uh, a spiral fracture in my ankle and lower leg and uh, dislocated my foot, turned it to 180 degrees. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was a bit of a hindrance in my work life. I was in my head after I fell and after I got to the hospital, I was still thinking that, oh, I'm going to work on Tuesday. I'm working Tuesday. Like this is, you know, this is a Friday evening that I did this. And I was determined to get to work because I'm self-employed and this is, you know, my livelihood. This is the only way I survive. So um, three months later, I was back at work. <laughs> Uh, and I've had, uh, just finished having my third surgery a month ago and I've been off work about seven months over the past two years in recovery. And I certainly have a completely new appreciation for anyone who's had a fracture. This is really my first, um, bone mishap, <laughs> um, and soft tissue, because I've had ligament uh, reconnections. I've had bones broken to reconnect ligaments, and I've had tendon grafts, which are soft tissue is always the, takes the longest to heal. So yeah, um, my practice has uh, shrunk over the past few years, and um, that has been mostly because of my inability to work. 
Um, but the good news is that I have very loyal people who have stuck with me throughout. And um, coming back from it, I learned that um, I've, I've been learning new techniques because I've been releasing myself. I've been sort of taking this in a whole uh, healing into a whole new organic level of what exactly is my body telling me and what exactly does my body want right now. I'm not going to follow protocol. I'm not going to follow, you know, sort of what I would usually do and just sort of attack it from a different angle. And do you, do you made, find it made a difference? Do you find it hard to, to separate uh, things when you're working on yourself as opposed to working on a, on a client? Like, do you find that you, uh, you treat yourself differently? I could still be clinical with myself, especially when I'm going to see the doctor and I have the x-rays up on the, the screen there. So I'm, you know, talking about the various ligaments. I can speak with him in the same language, medical speak. So it's, it's that's been huge. That's probably me. helped a lot. That I has been amazing. I don't think I'd be as far ahead in my healing if I didn't know what I know today. Like it's, you know, and I, I hate that the world doesn't have this information. I hate that we're not given this in school when we, high school. Why, why are we not educated like this? about our bodies, you know. We're not supposed to find out what's wrong with them. Oh, that's right. How else is the government going to control us? <laughs> yes, that's for doctors. Do, do doctors, uh, have you ever shocked a doctor with your knowledge? Yes. And they're just kind of like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah? He burst into tears. My doctor, or, or laughter, he just burst. He's like, what? How? Okay. So it's just <laughs> the first, um, when I saw him, um, it was coherent because when I first saw him it was post-accident yeah. but when I saw him and it was coherent he was he was laughing he said okay well this is how we'll take it so we went and we had a whole different conversation than a normal lay person would that I you know yeah. when he talked to the person next door saying you know blah 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 about your recovery but here I'm anatomical and clinical and because you do that you do that so well and it, you move seamlessly into that headspace mm -hmm. uh do you find socially that you confuse a lot of your friends? I confuse them? How so? Just, you know, you, this is the muscle here. It's the... Oh, yeah. Ashy am pickulatory <laughs> muscle. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you you know, Jamelli Superior or something interesting like that. Yeah, okay. So, um, uh, you know, I really don't whip it out very often. I usually talk more in layman's terms. So it's not like, like, you know, you hang out with other registered massage therapists, y'all whip out, whip out your dick, say, yeah, I know this one and I know that one. And yeah, it's like massage mensa, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're all, woohoo, let's talk this way. But yeah, we do because we can, because it's actually good to keep us, keep you sharp because you're explaining everything in layman's terms all the time, right, to people. So we have to stay sharp because we have to write our, our notes, our clinical notes in a certain way. And we're talk to other therapists, doctors, healthcare professionals in that way too. How do men usually react when you say, hey, want a prostate massage? That's not, I don't lay that out on the table in the beginning. It's not, you know. So it's a third date thing. At least. <laughs> um, it's, it's something that, I don't know, I guess when you're with someone, you sort of talk about interests and you sort of see what people are into and, you know, I was like, have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried having a prostate massage? Have you ever had an orgasm with, 
you know, having your prostate massage. And so many men know, and there are men that turn me down because there's still that, oh, it's such a dark, deep area that we don't want to talk about <laughs> men. You know, it's, it's... It is dark and deep. It's, yes. As, it's very literal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's such a stigma attached to it when it's part of our own part of our body, part of our sexuality, part of our physiology. You know, if I was a guy, I'd want to know that my prostate was doing great. So, you know, because of, I did see my dad suffer through cancer and coming throughout the other side on that. Doctors don't usually uh, request a prostate exam until you're 40, is what I've learned. Do you think that's helpful, or do you think it's a hindrance because people before 40 could get prostate, men before 40 could get prostate cancer. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's testing now for the gene. You can have your self-tested, or if you know that you have a family history of it, um, they might want to start testing earlier, and especially if a family member got it, say, a lot younger. It's really rare for them to get it at a younger age. It's sort of more of an aging uh, thing. But... Um, if you're at risk, I'm sure your doctor would. And you can push your doctor. I mean, it's really become, you know, we have to be our own advocates now. They really do. In the healthcare system. Our, I mean, our system is so overloaded. It's broken. Our system is broken. So oh. we really have to advocate for ourselves. And, you know, teaching, empowering people in any way that you can, I think is awesome. Teaching people about their bodies, amazing. People do so much better with knowledge. Don't treat people like idiots, you know. Treat, yeah. Give them, give them knowledge, give them power. And I don't think it occurs to everyone that the medical system is in dire need of repair because mm. you go to the doctor, the doctor sends you home, you assume, well, if the doctor didn't say anything is wrong with me, then I'm probably fine. But I still have this problem. Yeah. So what do you do? Where do you go? How do you look? You know, if your doctor says you're fine, a lot of people say, well, then I'm fine. And then 10 years down the road, it's this, or 10, you know, there's something else, or that was a precursor to something else, but that was new. No one ever saw it before, so they didn't learn to recognize it. Um, really, we have to be educated to know what our bodies do when, when something's wrong. And we need basic first aid. It's great. <laughs> Worked for me. Put my foot back after I broke it. Put it all the way back. That must have hurt. Oh, yeah. Shock is a wonderful thing. Are there any styles that you haven't studied yet, but you want to? Um, there are probably some like techniques that I would probably be interested in taking, but as far as styles of massage go, um, Lomi Lomi might be interesting. That's sort of Hawaiian-based uh, massage. But uh, Thai massage, a little brutal. It's not for me. Uh, I do incorporate acupressure into my work as well so i'm already doing that acupressure is similar to acupuncture no yeah the idea that the one spot yeah helps another area of your body yes so you're working on the um chinese template of the uh, organ meridians in the body so you have all these lines of uh, qi which is flow um, energy flow so stimulating all these points will actually help an organ function better or help a muscle function better. They also do it uh, acupuncture, sort of sports acupuncture now too. So really specifically, if you have a knee injury, you know, getting the needles in at very specific points 
Um, you know, there's laser therapy. There's all sorts of other complementary therapies in that as well. But uh, it's a, not my gig. I'm hands-on. And so. But you can pretty much diagnose any issue if it's described to you properly, no? Um, we could if we were allowed to diagnose. Oh, you're not? Massage therapists are not allowed to diagnose. No. Not even to the point of, this is what's happening in your body, so this is the massage that you need? Um, this, yeah, like you could say, there's, this is, uh, you know, if someone comes to you and think I'm having this, and you know in your bones that it's arthritis, then you treat it as such. So it's not necessarily, you know, okay, yes, you're having a joint issue, yes, there's some tension here, I'm going to release this part, even though you know it's arthritis and it has not yet been diagnosed, you're still going to help them, send them to the doctor, because we don't have that ability to diagnose, which is good in some ways, keeps us, you know, la la la, no responsibility, but the fact that it's silly that, you know, yes, we know this is this, so, or a tear, or, you know, if I'm seeing a registered massage therapist once a week, mm -hmm. does that mean I can just do whatever I want? How much of it is work that I have to do? Do you like? Do you assign homework? I do. I assign uh, stretching homework, uh, hydrotherapy homework, sort of using cold therapy or heat therapy, Epsom salts bath, um, those sorts of things to help relieve the muscle tension post massage. Um, but I will give people stretching exercises and if they're into yoga I'll get them to do their yoga pose in a certain way I'll sort of see what they're into but I will recommend um, exercise for them specifically uh, we're taught for remedial exercise like so if there's someone who's recovering from an injury we can give them a program for recovery so yes there is homework uh, not everyone gets homework depending on what they're coming in for but everything is designed to each individual uniquely specific homework needs. Excellent. Thank you for tuning into the show. And, and on behalf of Joe and myself, we give many, many thanks to uh, Venus for helping us out and educating us a bit. Next, we're going to have one of the event coordinators from Oasis Aqua Lounge with us. Really looking forward to this interview with Fatima. Hope you join us then. <laughs>